0: Welcome to the Listener's Commentary on the New Testament. Your guide is pastor and theologian Dr. John Whitaker, and the heart behind these studies is to help you better understand the text of Scripture so you can more fully live it out. It's all about helping you learn and live the Bible. Here is the book of 1 Timothy. All right, welcome to the Listener's Commentary on 1 Timothy which is classically called one of the pastoral epistles and we talked about that in the general introduction to the pastoral epistles but 1 Timothy first and foremost and primarily is a personal letter that means it's a letter between from one person to another person so it's a personal letter but a personal letter with a purpose. It's not a church letter. It's not written to a whole group of Christians. It's a personal letter, but it's a personal letter with a purpose. And hence, uh, that is why it is found in our Bible. So, the letter of 1 Timothy opens the way letters typically did in the ancient world, and that opening highlights for us a bit of the backstory to the letter. So let me read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the introduction and greeting part of 1 Timothy. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, as with all letters in the ancient world, you get this standard kind of opening to the letter where uh, maybe we write letters different today, but then this is the way it worked. You would have the sender. Then you would have the recipient, and then you would have some form of greetings, and that often then would be combined with a thanksgiving or a prayer wish or something like that. And so here we have very much that kind of introduction and greeting. We have the sender, Paul, we have the recipient, Timothy, and then we have a greeting, and all of this invites us into a backstory. There's a story behind this letter that's just the way it is. Letters are situational documents, and we have to recognize that when we're reading the New Testament letters, especially a personal letter such as this, we're actually reading somebody else's mail, and there is a backstory to it. And as we noted in the general introduction to the pastoral epistles, if you've listened to that recording, some modern scholars question the straightforward reading that we see here in verses 1 and two and the backstory it presents. But there's actually solid reasons for taking it at face value and in fact for over 1,700 years, that's what the church did. They just took this uh, this introduction and greeting at face value. Um, they uh, took it as telling uh, and really inviting us into this backstory between Paul and his protege Timothy. and so, We here on the Listener's Commentary will do that as well. So let's start with the characters. Who is the sender of this letter? Well, it's Paul. And Paul opens the letter by describing himself this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. And So our sender in this case is Paul, who was originally an opponent of the Christian faith and of Christ, a persecutor of the church and followers of Jesus the one to whom Jesus appeared on the road to Damascus. And you can read that story in the book of Acts, especially in Acts chapter nine, and that meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus and the events that followed from that in the city of Damascus, that changed everything for Paul. It precipitated a complete reorientation of his life. And in fact, it was in that very moment and then in the days that followed in Damascus that Paul was actually commissioned as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so that's how he describes himself here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. When he says Christ Jesus, that means king. Christ is a royal title, not a name. It means he's anointed as king. And so for Paul to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, to be an apostle of Jesus, the king. So what does it mean to be an apostle? Well, the basic meaning of the word apostle is one sent, like somebody sent on a mission, specifically as an official representative with somebody. So they, they go as an official representative, bearing that person's authority and carrying out that person's purposes. And so that's what an apostle is. It's an ambassador or an official representative. And in this case, Paul describes himself as that, an ambassador of King Jesus. And one of the important qualifications of being an apostle of King Jesus was to have seen him post-resurrection. And so Paul, uh, at various points in his letters, will point out that it was that moment on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him where he saw Jesus, and thus he's qualified to be his apostle, his official ambassador. Now, we'll explore more the most likely situation behind the letter here shortly in this recording. But for now, let's just note that when Paul writes this letter, he's been a follower of Jesus and thus an apostle for about 30 years. So for a extended period of time... Paul has served Jesus as his apostle, and that role came according to God's instruction, God's command, God who is described here in verse 1 as our Savior, and Christ Jesus who is described here as our hope. So that's the sender, Paul, who is an apostle by God's intent and purposes. Who's the recipient in this letter? Well, the recipient is Timothy. Again, as we think about the backstory to this, uh, we need to think about, well, who's Timothy? Timothy. Well, if Paul has been an apostle and a servant of Jesus for about 30 years, Timothy has actually been. Paul's probably longest tenured co-worker in ministry. And so by the time Paul writes this letter to him, Timothy and Paul have worked together for a decade and a half. So let's look at a little bit about who Timothy is, his story, his life, so we get a better understanding of his own backstory as we try to understand the backstory to this letter. So where do we first meet Timothy in the Bible and in the chronology of Paul's life? Well, we first hear about him. In Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Let me read it to you. This is at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. So that indicates that Paul probably met Timothy before this time on his first missionary journey. And that Paul probably led Timothy to faith in Jesus on that first missionary journey. And now as he begins his second missionary journey, he goes back to some of the very places he preached and taught on his first journey. And here's what it says, Acts chapter 16, verses one through three. Now, Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra. Paul had spent time in both those places a couple years prior to this on his first missionary journey. And this is what it says there in Acts 16. And, and a disciple was there named Timothy, and so Paul comes to Derby and Lystra, and Timothy lived there and timothy is described here as the son of a jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a greek so he was of a mixed race he had a jewish mom and a gentile father and he was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters there in lystra as well as in iconium so the whole surrounding region lystra derby iconium seems like lystra is probably where timothy lived but derby and iconium are the surrounding towns and In all those surrounding villages, the followers of Jesus spoke very highly about this uh, young man who was a energetic disciple of Jesus. So Paul, verse 3 of Acts 16, wanted to take this man, Timothy, um, with him on his journey. And so he took him and circumcised him. So Timothy was the son of a Gentile dad, Jewish mom. He had had not been circumcised because the dad called the shots in the family. And so Paul wanted to take him with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those regions, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And so this was a a gesture of tearing down barriers uh, for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, Timothy apparently wanted to go with him, and Timothy was so willing to travel with Paul in ministry that he was willing, as a young man, to undergo circumcision so that it would remove any potential barrier to sharing the gospel with the Jews that they might encounter in ministry. And that's where we first meet Timothy, is there in the city of Lystra at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. Interestingly enough... Um, it mentions there in Acts chapter 16 that he was the son of a Jewish woman. We actually know his mom's name and even his grandmother's name. Uh, We know this from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Let me read that to you. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, Paul writing to Timothy, which first dwelled in your grandmother Lois and also your mother Eunice. And so we know... um, a little bit of uh, Timothy's family history here. He had a Greek dad, but he had a mom who was a Jew. Her name was Eunice. Uh, He had a grandmother who uh, was also a Jew. Her name was Lois. And they had sincere um, faith in Yahweh. And now um, his mom has become a believer, as well as Timothy has become a believer in Jesus. So Paul uh, recruits Timothy to become one of his co-workers in ministry at the beginning of what we call the second missionary journey right around the year 50 A.D. or 51 A.D. So that means when Paul writes this letter to him here that we call 1 Timothy, he and Timothy have worked together for almost 15 years. Now, obviously that's contingent on the the most long-held backstory to the letter. Uh, And so if we're right on that... And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Then it's been about 15 years of ministry together that they, they have served as co-workers. And that means that Paul and Timothy, they, they have worked together. They have covered some ground together. Timothy was there, for example, when Luke joined the ministry team in Troas a little later on the second missionary journey. Timothy was there when Paul was beaten with rods in the city of Philippi and thrown into prison along with another one of his co-workers, Silas. Again, that happened a few months later on the second missionary journey. Timothy was there in Thessalonica. And in fact, he stayed behind in Thessalonica and Philippi to continue the work when Paul was forced to leave town. Uh, Timothy and Silas actually came from Macedonia to Paul In Greece, they brought an offering from the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica, maybe even Berea. They brought that money to Paul so Paul could actually give himself full-time to ministry. He was with Paul in Corinth, and Paul actually sent him back to Corinth on multiple missions at different times throughout his ministry. And Timothy continued in ministry with Paul well into the third missionary journey. He was with him in Ephesus and all that happened there. He traveled with Paul at the end of the third missionary journey back to Jerusalem. And he was with him when when Paul got arrested in Jerusalem that led to four years of confinement. So Timothy and Paul have been through some stuff together. And Timothy is named actually, along with Paul, in several of Paul's letters. He is that close of a companion and that central of a co-worker in Paul's ministry. And so Timothy has been one of Paul's closest companions. And most committed, loyal co-workers for a long time. And thus, notice the way Paul describes him here in the introduction to this letter of 1 Timothy. He says, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, my true child or true son in the faith. And that's probably because Paul led him to faith in Jesus on his first journey, and then they served together with great dedication and devotion for a decade and a half. What else do we know about Timothy? Well, Timothy was a young man of something, probably a a rather young man when he started working with Paul in ministry, maybe even like late teens, 16, 17, 18. Why would we say that? Well, because here in first Timothy, first Timothy chapter four, verses 12 and following, Paul still refers to him as a young man. He says, don't look don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And that word translated young there refers to somebody probably in their like late 20s, into their 30s, and maybe uh, maybe even around 40-ish. And so Timothy's probably in his early to mid 30s when Paul writes this letter to him, which means he would have had to have been 18 to 20 or so when uh, he first started working with Paul in ministry. One other little fact about Timothy is that It seems at least at times in the letters that uh, where Timothy is mentioned that Timothy maybe is a little bit more hesitant to deal with some of the confrontation and conflict and needs to constantly be bolstered in spirit to that end. Don't want to read too much, but that does seem to be uh, a little bit more of Timothy's personality. Now, what's the situation here in this letter? So Paul writes this letter to Timothy. And what is the situation? Well, as we noted in the general intro to the pastoral epistles, it's hard to know exactly where 1 Timothy fits into Paul's life and ministry. In fact, it's hard to know where 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus all fit. 2 Timothy is a little more clear, but 1 Timothy and Titus, a little more challenging. So if you haven't listened to that general intro, I encourage you to go listen to that one. But the traditional view of 1 Timothy, and when I say traditional, I don't mean traditional and weak. I mean long-standing tradition of the church from the earliest time period all the way up into the modern time period. So for virtually the entire history of the church, um, the earliest and longest-standing view of the church is that 1 Timothy was written to Timothy in the mid-60s after the time period of the book of Acts. Now, I do think it's possible that maybe we could we could find the occasion for First Timothy um, in that six months to a year that Paul traveled through Macedonia all the way around into a lyricum. Um, After he left Ephesus on the third missionary journey, but before wintering in Corinth uh, on that missionary journey. So that would fit into the end of Acts chapter 19, the beginning of Acts chapter 20 in that time period. It's possible maybe that's where it fits. But again, the earliest and longest standing understanding of the church is that this letter was written to Timothy in the mid-60s after the time period of the book of Acts. And the evidence of the early church is that Paul was released from that Roman incarceration mentioned at the end of Acts, Acts 28, and continued ministry after that. In fact, there's even some evidence in the early church that he may have actually made uh, that visit to Spain that he so longed to do and that he mentions at the end of the book of Romans. Uh, It's not certain and not totally clear, but that's possible. So the traditional situation behind 1 Timothy appears to be something like this. After two years uh, in, under arrest in Caesarea and then two years under house arrest in Rome, Paul was released from Roman custody and continued ministry for several years. Perhaps he did travel to Spain. Some early church fathers actually mentioned that, though. Uh, They could simply be basing that on what Paul said he intended. It's not totally clear. But he was released from prison, and it appears then that Paul uh, continued ministry and at some point returned to minister to his churches, those that he had started, in the Aegean Sea region of the Mediterranean world. And during this time period, he and Timothy spent time continuing the work in the city of Ephesus. It was a major city with lots of influence. So they spent some more time there in Ephesus. And at some point, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus while he himself traveled into Macedonia. You can see that in 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, that Paul went into Macedonia. And when Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy, he he was hoping that he would be able to return to Ephesus before too long. He says that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. So he's writing to Timothy, hoping and planning to try to get there before too long, but he was uncertain. And so he thought it would be best to send a letter in case for some reason he was delayed in getting there. So he knew Timothy was dealing with some issues. He needed the Timothy needed some guidance and some encouragement. He, he himself wanted to come, but he thought, I might be delayed. So just in case, here's a letter. So here's what we know for certain. Paul is writing to Timothy from Macedonia, who is working with the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus, as I noted, it was one of the largest cities of the empire. It was a port city. Um, it was very influential. The city of Ephesus was dominated by the temple and worship of Artemis, and the Ephesian Artemis, who had her own distinctive flavor and flair, has influenced the city greatly, and it seems like that influence is in some ways impacting the church. Uh, The temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it was actually believed that by you know the lore of Ephesus, that her image had actually fallen from the sky and the city of Ephesus was then uh, given this sacred trust to be her guardians. And so their whole city and their whole cultural uh, atmosphere was caught up with their identity as guardians of Artemis and her image and the protector of her temple. And they had regular festivals and regular parades held in her honor. And Artemis of the Ephesians was a virgin goddess, and she was actually viewed as a protector during childbirth. And so there's all of this that has affected, it's just part of the, the, the air that people breathed as they lived in Ephesus. We also know that magic was a huge part of the culture of the city. You can see that in Acts chapter 19, where new believers came and burned uh, their magic books and got rid of them. And all of this has probably in some way affected the particular struggles we see in the church uh, that are reflected in the issues addressed in the letter of 1 Timothy. And so our best uh, guess as to the date of the letter based on the earliest tradition of the church is right around 64 to 65. Paul also states his purpose for writing the letter. He says that he's writing to Timothy so that, this is what he says, you will know how one should act in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. And so one of the major objectives of this letter is giving Timothy guidance that he should pass on to the church about how they should act as the family of God as the people of God. And so Timothy is being charged with making sure things remain in order in the church in Ephesus. Whatever that entails and so there's things specifically in this letter addressed directly to Timothy, do this, don't do this. There's things that Timothy's supposed to teach other people and pass on to them and Think all this through. There's administrative issues that are uh, addressed in this letter to help Timothy know how to handle some of these things. And the reason for all of this uh, is because some people, it seems like maybe they claim to be believers or maybe at one point they acted like believers, but now they've kind of gone their own direction. Some people have stirred up all sorts of controversies and difficulties in the church with some kind of false teaching. Fee and Stewart in one of their books about uh, Ephesians suggests that this is an inside job uh, involving some maybe of the elders and some perhaps of the younger widows based on what they see as being mentioned in the letter. That's what they suggest and that's possible. Um, and it does make sense of a lot of what's said in the letter about elders and widows and some of that. But I, I would say we should be cautious since we can't have complete certainty on that, and because the letter never actually states it. So we're kind of having to guess and piece it together. So Timothy would have known, obviously, the exact situation and who was behind all of this. We're kind of trying to piece it together, and it's not totally clear. So maybe Fee and Stuart are correct. Maybe there's some elders that have gone rogue and some younger widows that are going rogue with them, and that's why Timothy addresses some, or Paul addresses some of that to Timothy in the letter. It's possible. I just wouldn't want to overstate that and be too certain about that. Here's what what we can be certain about. Uh, Timothy is supposed to instruct certain people not to teach strange doctrines. There is false teaching that is influencing this church, and Timothy is to deal with it and to address it. And it, it seems like a lot of that false teaching actually revolved around the Old Testament law and some stuff about genealogies and myths and speculations all get mentioned. And so there's something going on in the church by some influential people um, that is stirring up controversies that have to do with myths, speculations, and the Old Testament law. And Timothy's supposed to address this and contend for the true faith he's supposed to point out the errors and he's supposed to point out the truth of the matter to the brothers and sisters paul also gives timothy a number of instructions regarding church order about elders and church practice and even uh, some things about uh, widows and they have it a they have a list of official widows and who can be on that list and who cannot be on that list and and some of this is necessitated maybe A lot of it is necessitated by the false teaching. The reason these specific instructions about church order are given may have been influenced by the false teaching. Again, it's not 100% clear. So the whole letter is aimed at equipping Timothy to address the false teaching and the false teachers, as well as to shore up things in the church and to make sure the church in Ephesus is truly acting like the household of the God of truth. So that's the backstory to the letter of 1 Timothy. Hey, thanks for tuning into the Listener's Commentary on 1 Timothy. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible-teaching ministry that's made possible by the generous support of all kinds of people just like you. So thanks a ton for your support. And if you want to join the team of supporters, swing over to listenerscommentary.com. Listenerscommentary.com. Click the give button. It'll redirect you to a page that'll go through an umbrella organization, a registered nonprofit called World Family Mission. You can put in a dollar amount. You can click the little box that says make this monthly, or you can uh, give just a one-time donation as well. And all those donations will come my way and help us continue to grow and expand the reach of the listeners' commentary. So thanks a ton for your support.